Thank you for being here, friend, and welcome to Exploring the Seasons of Life, a podcast for women with a big heart on a spiritual journey. I'm your host, Cindy McMillan. Do you ever feel like you're waiting on a permission slip to live the life you want? If you answered yes, then you're in the right place. Each week, I interview coaches and spiritual explorers from all walks of life about beginnings, endings, and the messy bits in between. Self-love, well-being, and mindset are at the heart of our conversations because once you change the inside, the outside will begin to change as well. Before I introduce my guest today, I wanted to let you know I am planning a workshop in December to focus on living an intentional life and the possibility of 2022. So go out to my website, CynthiaMacMillan.com, and sign up for my newsletter, Exploring Soul. Be the first to know when it's announced. I am delighted to introduce my guest today. Susan Ferris is a Mississippi author with a love for local voices and local stories. She firmly believes that most of life's problems can be solved with a hot cup of tea. When she's not writing, she loves to garden, snuggle up with her fur babies, and enjoy her husband's chef-level cooking. Susan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's fun to be here today. You know, I have to ask you before we start. Well, what do you love about your husband's cooking? What's your favorite dish? You know, it's so funny because he doesn't like to repeat dishes. So I've been we've been working on that. He's got this, it's actually a fish curry that he does. It's really, really tasty, which probably sounds odd to a lot of people. But I, I love just the hominess of it. Like curry's just got all these warm, rich spices in it. And it's just, it's, it's so good. I love it. I think he's made that dish for me like maybe twice in the eight years that we've been married. And I'm always like, make me the fish curry. <laughs> you know, it's so funny you say that. And we did not rehearse this, but my partner also loves to cook. And the thing that I love about his cooking and one of the dishes is curry. I was chuckling when you said the thing about the tea because like I've, I've got my, I've got my mug of tea. Right here, all ready to go. <laughs> tea before we start this morning. So I start off the podcast with the same question because honestly, I love it, and everybody that's listens to the podcast, they know this. But what does exploring the seasons of life mean to you personally or in your business? I really like this question because I, I actually have two answers for it. So in my business, it actually means um, I'm all about learning and growing. And right now it means learning to focus, which I'm not the best at. Like I'm very good at procrastinating and putting things off. And when you're uh, an author printer, as it's called, it's very easy to focus on the author side of things and let the entrepreneur side of things slide. And so right now I'm very much trying to focus on the writing, like the business side of my business and getting serious and seeing that just because, yes, I have to focus on financials and marketing and all that, it doesn't make me less of a writer. It's actually, it's just the other side of the coin because if I don't have the business side, my story can't, you know, my stories can't get out into the world and realizing that, yes, I can take several days to slow down and get, get my life together. (laughs) and and act like a business owner instead of just an author kind of slapdashing some ebooks together and throwing them out into the ether. 
so that's that's the that's one side of it and then the other side is just um enjoying the journey and allowing myself to grow and discover new facets of my voice as a writer i mean i always thought when i was in college i thought that i was going to write these huge fantasy and sci-fi novels and here i am writing small town romance in the south and I, I love it. Like, I, I wouldn't swap anything. I mean, one day I do still want to write some fantasy and sci-fi. But, you know, for right now where I'm at, I'm, I'm very, very happy with where I'm at. You can see why I love that question, because it really, you know, causes a person to pause and think where they are in their life. And I, and I liked what you were saying about, you know, there are two sides of the coin to be in a business person, an entrepreneur, there's the business side, yes. and then there's that creation side. Yeah. And I, I think with creatives, it's, it's difficult because like you want to, like when you're in that creative flow, there's nothing like it. Like you're, it's, it's just pouring out of you and it feels so natural and you're like, Oh, I just want to do this all the time. But then you, like, I, I was talking to a friend the other day and I was like, I can, I can write for like two hours and feel like I've just run a marathon. And so having different types of work to do is actually kind of a saving grace for me because I couldn't write all day, every day. I'd be exhausted. I have to have other things to fill the well with. So knowing that there's other types of work to do is, is a good thing for me. It's, it gives me balance. Oh, Susan, I love that. So talking about you being an author, what has your journey been like to becoming an author? I mean, did you know that from a young child? I knew I always knew that I loved to write and read, but I didn't know um, until probably um, until probably like late high school, early college that I wanted to be an author. And then even then, I thought it was going to be something that I did on the side. So like my my journey hasn't been anything like I imagined it. I always thought like <laughs> I thought I'd end up moving to Boston and you know having that like little studio apartment and I would be like a someone's personal assistant or a teacher or like one of those like little office jobs hidden away in a building somewhere doing data entry and then like writing would be something that I'd do on the side as like you know like a work of passion and then somehow or another I you know, got married straight out of college and ended up in marketing for eight years and then COVID hit. And then I was like, me and marketing just weren't a good fit. So I, I ended up going straight into writing full time when COVID hit, um, just as a way to, cause I was, I was so burnt out with what I was doing, even though I loved all of my coworkers and everything. So now I'm a, a full-time author praying that eventually I make, you know, some money at it. Um, <laughs> as, as these things go. And you know it's it's been a it's been a whirlwind of a journey, and I've had I've had so much fun, and I've loved the process, and it's been it's been nothing like I ever thought it would be. <laughs> Isn't that funny though, Susan? We we have these ideas of of where our path is going, but it's all these side roads that make it so interesting. Mm-hmm. It really is. So now let me ask you: Do you still live in Mississippi? I do. I actually, funnily enough, I still live in my hometown, which I didn't think I would. I, I don't live in my same neighborhood. I live about 15 minutes away. I live on the other side of town. So it's kind of, in Mississippi, like I, I've had other 
people from like New York or China um, who've come here and they always think, because they look at the map and they're like, oh, like I should be able to take public transportation. We don't have that here. Everyone has to have a car to get everywhere. Um, and so I forget where I was going with this point, but, you know, like, I do still live in my hometown and, you know, I enjoy it here. We've got a, a lovely neighborhood um, with plenty of walking trails. There's a, a cute little, it's called a botanical garden, but it's really this just really kind of prettyish trail through the woods by the river, not too far from here. So it's, it's a lovely place to live. It's very quiet. Yeah. We live in a metropolitan area. So like there's several cities and counties all right together that are all kind of one conglomerate area. So we're within 30 minutes of just about everything that we'd want to do in the area. Um, and then we also say that we're three hours away from anything else that's actually exciting. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're three hours from Memphis, three hours from New Orleans, three hours from the beach, three hours from the mountains. So it's not bad getting anywhere else. We're kind of, we're kind of centrally located. So like Jackson was like the railroad hub back in the day and it's we do still have a railroad going through here it's just not nearly as big anymore but it's it's kind of a fun place to be you have to you have to dig in and get to know the locals to figure out what's going on and some people are better at it than others (laughs) well now I have family in Mississippi in Louisiana and in Arkansas and now I haven't really explored Jackson, but that's where I'll fly in sometimes. When you do let me know, I can I can help you find all the cool places. Oh, okay, I will. Talking about the South, okay, how has your work been influenced by growing up in the South? Now, you know, I'm thinking, okay, Friday night football games, Southern cooking, you know, saying sir and ma'am. I know a lot of people don't. <laughs> yes, pol- politeness is a big thing. So manners, I, I have to joke with people who come down here from the north and they're just like, the politeness feels so fake. And I'm like, it's not though. Like that's how like we acknowledge each other's humanity down here is saying sir and ma'am and please and thank you. Like it's it's how we like look at each other and go, I see you. So like... It, it might be automatic, but it's automatic in a way that's like, hey, I recognize that you're here and you're doing something for me and you're in, like, we're having to be in each other's space. Um, and that's how I've had to explain it to people because they're like, that's just so weird. Like, just do the thing. And I'm like, yeah, but they're doing the thing for you. So say thank you. <laughs> you know, not meaning to go off on a t- on a totally different tangent, but I love sir and ma'am. I grew up that way. I raised my mm-hmm. kids that way. And I'll hear people say that they they don't like to be called ma'am or, or sir or anything like that. I'm like, but that's showing our respect. Yeah, I got to the age recently. I hit that 30-year that, that age, and kids started mamming me, and I was like, Oh, oh, I don't know if I like this. But then I was like, well, their their parents are teaching them manners. So I just have to I just have to roll with it. <laughs> so I guess being in the South really does it it flavors everything that I write. Um I mean, I, one of our big things, especially in Mississippi, we're the hospitality state, you know. So we like to make people feel at home. We like to make them feel comfortable. And for us that means talking to them. 
talking your ear off. So like I love getting to know people wherever I meet them. So I talk to people and learn their stories. And what's really funny is like they'll tell me their stories and they almost like dare me to write about them as soon as they figure out that I'm a writer. They go, I bet you haven't written about something like that. And I'm like, you're you're testing me. <laughs> but I, I meet people like when I'm going through drive throughs uh, I go to physical therapy and my therapists are always telling me these like hilarious stories. And I meet people at you know, the bookstore and the coffee shop and Walgreens and everyone's always, I have yet to meet an actually boring person. Like people apologize to me all the time for saying, well, this, I I don't think this is really interesting. And then they tell me their life story and I'm like, that was fascinating. Tell me more. I was just going to make a comment on that because, and this just came to me just a, a little earlier, but we don't always look like our stories. You know, like people are saying to you, I'm sorry, this Mm -hmm. may sound boring. And to you, it's like totally fascinating. But I think I think people think that their story and I sometimes will think this, too. My story is not as exciting as someone else's. But then I think that's where you get into that comparison game. Well, we, we can't do that. But I think all stories are interesting. Right. They They've all got... I mean, they've all got humanity in them, which is the interesting part. It's like, what what makes a person go on this journey and do this thing and um, become this person? And it's it's the journey of it. And so it's always it's always interesting to hear and kind of parse that out. And it's interesting. Like I was um, I was doing some research the other day, and I had an interview with a tax lawyer, and she kept just apologizing the entire time. And I was like, lady, I came to you. And I'm sitting here for like three hours with you going over this, like, you can stop apologizing now. Like, I want to hear about this stuff. Like, you are helping me. And like, you know, this this is good stuff. Like, don't apologize for who you are. Like, when she was talking about what she did and why she did it, like, her whole face just lit up. And I was just like, you know, like, you are who you are. Like, be that. Just Just embrace it. So, I don't know. I like I like it when people talk about themselves. I, I like asking them questions and getting to know them. Susan, but, yeah. that's a t- oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just fixing to say that's a t-shirt. Be yeah. that. <laughs> Love Be it. You. <laughs> but yeah, like um, like the the South really like so in grad school. I, I started going to grad school while I was you know being a marketing manager full time, and. Um, I was still trying to tell these like fantasy sci-fi stories in grad school, but I realized that all the worlds and characters that I was creating in these (laughs) fantasy environments were, they're very much these Southern characters or like these, like these big worlds across the galaxy would be filled with like pine trees or mosquitoes or, (laughs) or, or mosquito like creatures. (laughs) Cause to me, like that's the worst thing ever. Um, and people loved it. They were like, yeah, we can really tell you're from Mississippi. And I was like, okay, I should just, I should just lean into this kid. Um, so I started, um, and I realized that like when I pulled stuff for inspiration, it was always from these like really like hyper local Mississippi magazines and newspapers. Cause I just thought they were hilarious. Like you find a local Mississippi newspaper. Like my mom is all the time saving me articles from the Yazoo, um, Herald, because they just lay out all of the town gossip in that newspaper, and it is the funniest thing ever. 
Um, so we've been tracking this saga. I won't tell you what it particularly it is, but it's it's been the saga that's been going on for about a year and a half now in the newspaper. And she keeps pulling these articles for me. And she's like, wait till you see what happened this time. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> We're just having the best time with it. But you know, Susan, that's also from part of being in the South. Mm-hmm. It really is. I won't tell you where I get my character names from, but it's it's um it's from the newspapers too. You can probably guess. Um but yeah, like people in the South are just natural storytellers. They'll they'll tell you their life story, they'll put it in the newspapers, they'll take out, you know, articles to tell you their stories, and it's it's the best thing ever. You don't have to go far here to find story ideas. Well, you know, and I was going to ask you about that, you know. So you've got a book called Nuts About You. Yes. <laughs> and so what was your inspiration for that particular story? That was, um, so that was my grandfather in my childhood in the Mississippi Delta. So I am from the Jackson area, but my mom's family is from around Yazoo City. And so I spent a lot of my childhood, especially summers and all that, um, going back and forth to their house that was about five miles out from Yazoo City in this little town called Carter. And I say, I've always told people it was five houses and a stop sign. You could blink and you'd miss it. And so I spent a lot of time out there. I got to know just the, like, we'd drive around a lot through the Delta doing different things visiting people, going and picking up parts for things, and um, really got to know kind of the flavor of the Delta. And I was always known as Bonnie Sue's daughter or James's granddaughter. Like, that people know you by your people in the Delta. Um, and so I just, I loved that setting. I wanted people to know the Delta and love it for what it is and all of its kind of <laughs> broken down, crumbly glory um, <laughs> with the cotton and the cornfields. Um, and then I remembered uh, I had all these kind of fun slash horrific <laughs> memories of every November. My grandfather, my, my papa would give me this. Uh, I'm sure some people are very familiar with this. These like it looked like a hoe with a slinky on the end of it. And you would take it out into the yard because we had pecan trees out there. And you take it out into the yard and you'd run it over the ground to like pick up the pecans so you weren't having to pick up individual pecans one by one. And then you'd like try to pry it open like a bear trap to shake all the pecans out of it into a bucket. <laughs> I don't know what the thing was called. I, I looked it up online the other day. I think I called it like a pecan picker upper or something. And eventually I, I found it at a at an agricultural, like a co-op website or something. Um, but we had a couple of those and me and my brother would help my pap. I'll go pick up like, you know, 10 gallon buckets full of pecans. And then we'd spend the rest of the afternoon with the pecan crackers that you may or may not break a finger with. Um, helping my mom crack and uh, pick clean the pecans so that way we could have pecan pie and all that for uh for thanksgiving and christmas <laughs> and then i was like that took so long just to clean like two buckets full of pecans how did the commercial how did the commercial orchards deal with it because they can't just have hundreds of people doing this um so i just i let myself get curious about it and that's where nuts about you came from 
And I was like, oh, so there's actually like people who who study pecan trees and design the equipment and run these places. And that's that's where Nuts About You came from, because I just got curious about pecans one day and went down a research rabbit hole. Well, you know, and that's 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 what I love about all creatives is their curiosity to go out there and explore and try new things. Yes. <laughs> it's um it's kind of uh I think you gave me a question about shaping and pruning creative work, but it it really is. It's it's allowing yourself to get curious and just kind of shaping it into into a story, like knowing that, hey, this can go somewhere if I just kind of follow my instinct. So, you know, and what I liked about that question is I love the idea of pruning. You know, it's to me, it's letting go of something, allowing room for new growth, just like, you know, you're pruning a plant, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're allowing that room for new growth. But it's just when you let go, you're able to receive just all the beauty, all the joy that's available to you. And I was right. imagining writing a story was like that. It really is. Cause I, uh, like I said, like it's so easy to find ideas around here. Like I'm always just flummoxed when someone tells me that they have writer's block. And I, I really do understand getting kind of like creatively jammed up, but not having any ideas at all. I'm like, go to a coffee shop and just eavesdrop on your neighbor. Like, watch a movie, read a book, like maybe I do have compassion for being just overwhelmed with what you're working on. But with writer's block, I'm like, if you're having writer's block, you need to get out into the world and listen to the, what, what the world is telling you, because the world has plenty of ideas it wants to give you. I have too many. I can give you some myself. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But like, I I really do. Like I have, um, I have an app that I use and I probably have several ideas a week. And obviously you can't write that many books Um, unless you're just a way faster writer than I am, which some people are. Kudos for them. Um, And like, I just, I have like buckets that I put the ideas into. And one of them is specifically after a while, like I can kind of come in and tend the ideas. And like, I do a little bit of research on something if like it appeals to me. And then some things I start doing research on and I'm like, this thing really isn't, I'm not finding much. This idea isn't jiving. It just like, I pick it up and it feels cold almost. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, maybe it just needs to sit here for a little while longer. And then I keep coming back to it. And I'm like, I don't think this is for me. And so like, I actually have a list of ideas started now that I'm like, these are not mine. Like I've labeled them like not for me. And that's a very freeing thing. It's, it's taking something, lopping it off and putting it over here and just saying, Hey, this is, you know, when, when I have an opportunity, I will give it to someone that this is a much better fit for if they want it. You know, I'm not going to, force an idea (laughs) you know it's it's very freeing to go hey like this idea isn't working for me I don't need to force it that that is a way to give yourself writer's block that is very legitimate it's taking an idea that's just not meant for you or that isn't naturally growing on its own and trying to force it into something that was never meant to be for you just because you think it's a cool idea at first or someone told you that you should write it 
Um, you don't have to do anything. Like you don't owe anyone a book or a short story or a poem. You don't have to do anything. You, need, you should be writing the stories that are meant for you. I've even done that with scenes within books. Like if I start writing a scene and a character does something unexpected, I have to sit there and go, hey, is that just me kind of getting into the flow and letting things happen just because, or am I letting this bush grow a little unwieldy here? Like, was that really meant to happen? Um, And there's room for letting your characters talk and grow on their own. And then there's just, I was being a lazy writer and I just went off and said something myself. Um, Susan, can I ask you something? Because what you were just saying, I found incredibly interesting. So when you're writing, now I'm not an author, So I'm thinking about this in terms of the podcast, even when you said the character may do something unexpected, does your writing come from you or does it come from your imagination? Um, Yeah, help me out here. (laughs) For me, it should be a good mix. If I have, so I am what's called a, um, I'm a planter. So in the writing world, that's a mix of plotting and pantsing. Um, I create very loose, rough drafts or like um, plots to go through. And so I do chapter by chapter, like little, like here's, here's roughly what should happen in this chapter. But I'm not doing, you know super detailed everything that should happen like I I have like the emotional beat that should be in that chapter I know roughly what should be happening in each like act of the story but if a character it once I start getting to know my characters I go hey are they saying and making the choices that this character would make and if I get to a chapter and realize that I was forcing a plot point because I thought that that was what should happen, but it's not what is true for the character. I have a loose enough outline that I can go in and adjust things. And I I have actually stopped in the middle of the story before and adjusted the entire rest of my outline um, to account for a big change that the character has made. I actually just did it yesterday. Um, I redid an entire chapter and a half and it it actually put in an extra chapter into the rest of my outline um, because I did something that, uh, or a character did something different than what I had originally intended. And the story is going to be better for it. For me, I'm very much, that. that's how I do things. Other people are different. Some people are complete pantsers and I have no idea how they do it. That would like I used to be a complete pantser, and now I can kind of see how I was always, how I was always struggling <laughs> to get anything finished. So I never knew pan- where I was going. What is a pantser? Uh, so they have an idea. They just have a, a loose story idea, and they just start. They don't plan anything. They love to write by instinct alone. And then a plotter is exactly as it sounds. They love to come up with detailed, like they love to like interview their characters before they start and really get to know them. They love to have like super detailed outlines. Like they know what happens in each chapter, like in each act, in each chapter, in each scene. Sometimes they even have like snippets of dialogue planned out beforehand. Um, They almost have the book written before they write the book. 
which I'm like, <laughs> no, thank you. So I'm, I'm in between. I have my, my happy medium. That is so interesting. I never knew how a, how an author started writing. Cause in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, they sit down at the typewriter and they just start typing. That is how a lot of people think it's done. But I mean, they're, it can be done that way. And if you're, if your mind works that way, like some people can really work it out in their head and that's how some pantsers do it. Like they kind of, they can kind of do it that way. Like when I was pantsing, a lot of what I would do was I would write a chapter and then before I'd end for the night or whatever, I'd be like, okay, in my next chapter or my next scene, I would leave myself some notes for the next day. Or like I would reread my section and I'd be like, okay, here's where it went off the rails. I want to adjust this to kind of make it line up with this next section that I want to do. So I I would leave myself notes on what I wanted to adjust and then what I wanted to write next. So it was kind of like creating the puzzle as you went. (laughs) Yeah, maybe I need to talk to you offline about my when I sit down to write like a, a, a blog post or something, because I'm thinking I should just be able to sit down and write it, but maybe. Oh, no. I mean, it's kind of the same way that you do these podcasts, right? Like you plan them out. Like when I, I haven't done any blog posts recently, but I do some guest blogging occasionally. And I always sit down and think of like, I, I kind of do a little miniature outline and then I write the sections um, so I, I always, I always do a little outline first and it doesn't have to be super detailed, but it's like how they teach you in school. And that's the reason why they teach you outlines. It helps you, it helps you focus and figure out what to write for each point. Oh, that is so funny that I do the podcast one way and writing another. <laughs> it's, it really is figuring out which method works for you. I, I try not to be too prescriptive about it. I always say, this is what works for me. And then other people do it other ways. Um, Because I don't want to force anybody into doing a method that really doesn't work with how their brain works. Because everyone does think different ways. Absolutely. So what is the most difficult part of your artistic process? I was was actually kind of laughing about this earlier. Um, For me, there's always like the sticky middle part of a of a book like the initial rush of creation has worn off and I have to tough it out for a few days or sometimes a few weeks depending on what's going on with life um, until I like I fall in love with the story again <laughs> um, and a lot of times when you're like learning craft or you're in grad school or you're like learning some stuff online they call this the muddy middle Like your second act is always when you're kind of like, okay, I have to actually make sure that things are happening for a reason. This is largely what they talk about in craft classes, the muddy middle. More and more recently, I've been thinking that for a lot of people, it's a matter of self. Like this is where that initial rush when you're starting the race wears off and it's endurance at this point. until you kind of hit your stride again. Um, And for me, like that has been learning discipline. Um, It's, it's devotion. Uh, That's one of the reasons I knew that I needed to go to grad school, honestly, (laughs) especially since I was working full-time. Like I always said, oh, I can work full-time and then just write for a few minutes in the evenings. And that was not happening for me. Um, 
So like grad school was a place where I learned to write on a schedule. I had accountability. I had people who were cheerleaders cheering me on. I was learning a lot about craft. I was paying out the nose for it. <laughs> Just to be honest, um, grad school is not an option for everybody. And I get that. Well, so now do you write on a schedule? Do you say, hey, I'm going to write Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays for one hour. Do you have a schedule like that? Is that what I you mean? S- supposedly have a schedule. Um, right now, life is a little bit crazy uh, with holidays and stuff like that. I, f- I have a few um, commitments at church right now. They're kind of eating up some time. And then um, we've had a, a few things with family that have been going on that have been kind of having us up in the air a little bit. Um but I'm trying to get back to my schedule. I, I normally try to write um, one chapter or 2,000 words a day, um, depending on the day and, and my time. Sometimes I just try to go, okay, I'm going to write one scene. That hasn't been happening regularly lately, just because I said, like, I, I do try to give myself some grace when a lot of stuff um, is happening in life. Um but I am trying to get back to that just because I do have a book that I am working on right now that I would like to get out. Um, I was hoping to get it out by the end of the year, and now I'm pushing it back to early 2022. Um, I, I would like to put it out in January, but I'm not I'm not going to announce official an official date because the Amazon overlords don't don't like it when you push back a pre-order. Mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you push back a pre-order, you lose your pre-order privileges for the next year. So I am trying to, uh, I am trying to get back to my schedule. I was doing really good there for a while with uh, writing. It was taking me about an hour, hour and a half every day, and then I had the rest of the day to focus on business and marketing things, which was working really well for me, or developing other stories. So yeah, the 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 hardest part is definitely. Um, once I hit that, probably the second, probably after the first two weeks of writing a story um, is when I start going, okay, next shiny thing. What can I work on now? And then I'm like, nope, finish this first. I very much have to do one project at a time or the project never gets finished. Yeah, that makes sense because there's, <clears throat> excuse me, there's so many shiny objects out there that included myself that we can get pulled into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of those things that like, I, you know, I actually have a sign here right in front of me. You can't see it, but it's one of those little felt word boards. And it just says hour by hour. Do it, it reminds me to do my best hour by hour. I very much fall into that trap of <laughs> trying to do everything all at once. And that's not possible for anybody. You can only do the one thing that's in front of you and then once that's finished, do the next thing. There is no such thing as multitasking. I know a lot of people think that they can. You're just switching your focus really fast back and forth between different things. Um, so trying to remind myself to do the one thing. And then once that's done, it's done. It doesn't have to be perfect, but done. And then to the next thing and then to the next thing. Um, and a lot of times I psych myself up thinking, this thing's going to take so long. And then it took 15 minutes. And I'm like, I just spent all that time and emotion on worrying. Yeah, I had a guest on, gosh, it's been a while now, but she also talked about just doing that one thing, just do one thing at a time. Yes. Instead of (laughs) trying to do it all. So let me ask you, 
because our time is going by so fast and, <laughs> and I've loved it. But what words of advice would you have for other women looking to embark on a writing career? Um, definitely, um, two, two little bits of advice. Definitely find your support system, whether it's friends or family or a local writing group. Writing is one of those things that like you have to write by yourself, but, uh, having people who support and encourage you is key. If you have, especially if you have like, um, maybe a partner or like a roommate or someone in your life who's telling you you can't, finding other people who tell you you can is going to be instrumental. Um, like it's just, I was with an online writing group a couple weeks ago. Um, and just having, just sitting in silence with them, seeing everybody on the screen writing together was like, Oh wow, I got so much done in that hour. Um, so however that looks like, whether it's a zoom writing group, whether it's a group that meets up at a local coffee shop once a month, whether it's, you know, having your partner check in with you once a week to see, you know, Hey, did you get that scene written or a friend who calls you and sees how you're doing? Like find someone who's in your corner. And then I would say don't fall into the trap that I fall into a lot, which is thinking that writing has to be like this sacred time that's like hours and hours at a time. Writing can be 10 minutes on your lunch break in the car while you're hiding from your boss, which I did a lot um, at my first job. And then it can also be, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, you know, after you've put the kids to bed at night, it can be, you know, I, I, what I did for my first book when I got to some really hard parts of it, because it's kind of hard to, um, to write and cry at the same time. And my first book was really emotional for me. I, I was literally using like the dictate function on word. Um, and then sometimes with my phone as well. And like, you can dictate it too sometimes. So like, if you need to go for a walk while you write, use the dictate function on your phone. Um, text to speech or speech to text is, is very helpful. So finding little pockets of time where you can write, however you can write is very, very helpful. Um, and don't think that it has to be hours and hours at a time. It, you will amaze yourself how much you can get done in five, 10, 15 minutes a day. Um, I wrote over half of a book in 10, 15 minutes a time at night. And once you get your stride, I think I was writing about 500 words at a time and about 15 minutes a night. Um, so just believe in yourself and get going and don't think that you have to be perfect to do it. Those are some perfect tips. Oh my gosh. Perfect. And aside from family, friends, and faith, name three things you can't live without. Oh, probably my cats. Uh, the second one would be a tie between tea and like this gigantic water bottle that I have to keep me hydrated. Um, and then like super cozy blankets because I do like to like wrap up like an Eskimo while I'm writing. <laughs> <laughs> Susan, what would you tell your 18 year old self about the season of life you're in right now? Oh, I, I love this one. I love this question so much. Um, 
So when there's a little bit of background context for this. So I have both migraines and insomnia. And then I'm also like a very like even keeled sort of person. And I was always rushing to keep up with other people instead of realizing what I was able to do. So if I was talking to my 18 year old self, I would be like, get thee to a doctor, get those migraines treated, get you on some insomnia meds. Sleep meds are not scary. Not for you anyway. Um, and then stand up for yourself and what you want to do with your life. Don't always be feel like don't always feel like you have to be racing after other people and you know trying to do these big bold things. Like you're going to do your own big bold things in your own way. And just realize that your plans can change and grow, and that's a good thing. It doesn't mean that you're being untrue to yourself. Oh my gosh, I want to stand up and start cheering right now because that is not only advice for our 18-year-old self, but every season of life we're going through. (laughs) (laughs) I wish, like, looking back, I wish that I had gone to, and whether that's something physical or it's mental, like if you've got anxiety or depression, the sooner you start talking to someone or seeing someone about it, like, just the better you're going to feel. And for me, like if I had started treating my migraines and my insomnia properly at 18, like college in general would have been so much easier for me. Like, cause I was walking, like I would try to go to bed at night and I was walking for several hours trying to wear myself out. And then I still couldn't sleep realizing that like, if there's something going on, you can get help. Um, and like these, these medicines and stuff, like they're there for a reason and they can help. A lot. (laughs) You know, I think a lot of times women are looking for permission to put themselves first. And that's what I'm starting to talk about a lot. And at 18, sometimes that's too, too young almost. That's why you have to be several years on the other side to look Mm -hmm. back and go, gosh, I wish I would have done X, Y, Z. Yeah, I mean, you're right on that cusp between childhood and adulthood. And I had had insomnia, I've had insomnia since I was little. I've had migraines since I was little. And I think if people had realized, I think if the adults in my life had realized the patterns of what was happening and helped, it would have been different if I had looked at the patterns in my life and realized and been like, hey, this, like, none of my friends are dealing with this the way that I am. Can we talk about it? I I just didn't know to speak up for myself. Um, And it really wasn't until a friend of mine at work was like, girl, you have had four bad headaches this week. You have migraines. Go to a doctor. That I was like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And then the doctor was like, how's your sleep? How are you sleeping? Insomnia and migraines are closely related. And I was like, I don't sleep. And she was like, what? <laughs> Finding a really good healthcare provider who cares about you and asks the right questions, um, especially for women, is so key. Finding a doctor who listens and doesn't dismiss you. Like, I will, I will sing that from the mountaintops. Find a doctor who listens and doesn't dismiss your pain and your struggles because they are real. Absolutely. So how can people find you? What is your website, your social media? How can they get Um, your books? 
Yes, I would love for people to buy my books. I just said this the other day. They make great holiday gifts, especially Nuts About You, because it's such a fun, easy read. So you can find me at, on my website at susanferris.me. That is susanferris.me. Um, and then I'm also on Facebook at uh, Susan Ferris Author. Um, and then on Instagram at Author Susan Ferris. So those are just backwards of each other. <laughs> Because those that's what was available. Um, and then I also do some uh, guest uh, blog posts at This Book is Lit blog. Um, so you can find me there as well. Thank you so much for being a guest. I have loved our conversation. And you just the inspiration you were giving to women you know, who could be thinking about becoming a, an author. I just love that. Thank you. Thank you. That's that's one of the things I'm passionate about is making sure that women can reach out creatively and take care of themselves while they do it. It's such a it's so important. Yes, it is. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Leaving a rating and review helps to improve rankings in iTunes. It shows engagement, which may attract sponsors, and it is essential for the podcast to be discovered by new listeners. Plus, it would mean the world to me. Thanks again. Until next time, live inspired.